Welcome to Dominion Today with Kevin and Chantel Davis, a podcast where you will learn how to discover your calling, live your purpose, and fulfill your destiny. By listening to these episodes, you'll build the confidence you need to operate in dominion and authority so you can walk in the revelation of the victory that belongs to you in Christ Jesus. Now, here's your host, Kevin Davis. And so I would like to encourage you to uh, get your Bibles, get your notebooks, do pens, cell phone, tablet, whatever it is that you have available to make some notes with. And even all throughout this morning, I want you to be aware of His presence. I want to get rid of this notion that a church service which already just sounds so traditional, so religious, that somehow it is divided up into these segments. Then you do this, then you do that. Yes, there is a flow. But nothing is preventing you right here, right now, in this, call it, part of the service, to receive what it is that you came here to receive. Do not think that, you know, somehow because Pastor Kevin ministered to this one, you know, he didn't minister to me. Now you think it's done. It's over. Become aware of his presence. And I pray that every single one of us this morning will encounter his glory. That you would walk out of this place today saying, I've had an encounter with the King of glory. Because one encounter with God will change your life forever. Once you encounter the King of glory, once you have come face to face with His glory, with His awe, His majesty, His splendor, you cannot ever be the same again. And that is my prayer for you and every single one who is part of your family is that you would encounter the glory of God. And so that's what I want to release this morning is talking about and sharing. While every single one of us place a demand as we're in his presence. Not thinking that somehow This is just the part where Pastor Kevin preaches and we just make notes and that's it. But all throughout this morning and all throughout that which is released and that which is shared, that you would respond to the word. And how do we respond to the word? By faith. Faith. So what is the glory? Exodus 33, verse 18 to 19. In the Amplified Classic, it says, And Moses said, I beseech you, show me your glory. And God said, I will make all my goodness pass before you. So can you see already the glory of God is synonymous with his goodness. When you are in his presence, when you are encapsulated in his glory, you come face to face with his nature and encounter His goodness, that his goodness will pass before him 
as Moses. And God continues, and I will proclaim my name, the Lord before you. For I will be gracious to whom I will be gracious. And I will show mercy and loving kindness on whom I will show mercy and loving kindness. So what is the glory of God? What is that which Moses desired that day to see? Some define it as the infinite beauty and greatness of his manifold perfections. Others simply say that the glory of God is God's holiness put on display. Others even say that it speaks of the physical expression of God's holiness. So it is the tangible and the manifested presence of His holiness. And therefore, in His presence, there cannot stand anything that is contrary to Him. They cannot stand anything contrary to his nature. They cannot stand anything contrary to his promise. That is why in his presence there is no sickness or disease. Because they cannot stand in front of him. And even if it tries to stand against him, the moment God manifests himself, when there is an outbreak of his glory, every single thing that is contrary to his nature just evaporates. And that is why there is no place for the opposite of holiness, unholiness, unrighteousness, wickedness. There is no place for any of that. In his presence. The glory of God also can be defined as the tangible manifestation of his goodness, his holiness, and his power. It is not just an idea, but a real and dynamic experience that transforms lives, bringing healing and liberation. I just love this portion of scripture in 1 Kings, verse 8. 1 Kings 8, sorry, verse 10 to 11. And even this morning as Francho was sharing the message with regards to the offering and us bringing our tithe as we honor the Lord. Speaking also of how we need to take care of the house of the Lord. And without going into all of this into great detail, I've actually preached on this before. When you consider the sacrifices that were made that day in preparation or in consecration of the dedication of the temple to God. I mean, we are talking about thousands upon thousands upon thousands of animals that were sacrificed that day. We are talking a vast sum of money that was spent, that was given as a sacrifice unto God. And it was as a result of their sacrifice that when they showed up to the house of God, that God responded to the sacrifice with His glory. 
You see, we cannot see and experience the manifestation of His glory without a heart that is willing to sacrifice. We will never be able to truly encounter the depths of His glory without a heart that says, I'm willing to lay it all down. If there is still an ounce of God, you can have 99% of everything. Just leave me this 1%. You will not be able to enter into the fullness of all that He has for you. It's about laying it all down. Will you understand that my finances is not my own? That my life is not my own? That what I have, all I am, and all I will be, I willingly lay it down. There is this powerful picture of that which will take place in heaven. Is that Jesus will measure everything that we did. And everything that has eternal value. In other words, everything that we can take with us into all of eternity. That all of these things will be tested with fire, consuming fire. And only that which has eternal value will remain. And out of that, Jesus forms this crown that he gives unto you as a believer. I mean, there's even pictures of the various gemstones that it would have and be encrusted with and I mean, when it comes to these things, literally the only way to describe it is, as Paul did, no eye has seen, no ear has heard, nor has it entered into the heart of man what God has in store for those who love him. Because it is just so majestic. It's on a scale that we, in, with our earthly minds, cannot even begin to comprehend. And yet, even in that picture where we, in essence, are rewarded for our service, we still put that down at the feet of Jesus. We cast our crowns at his feet because there is still the realization that this crown that has been given as a reward would still have not been able to have been bestowed upon us without him, first of all, sacrificing it all for us while we were still sinners, I might add. So what we have and what we will still have, we need to be able to say, I lay it all down. First Kings 8, when the priests had come out of the holy place, the cloud filled the Lord's house. So the priests could not stand to minister because of the cloud. For the glory of the Lord had filled the Lord's house. What is so incredible about this, just briefly, is this. Is that in the glory of God, there is no place for religion and tradition. The priests could not perform their religious duties because of the glory of God that filled his house. And so this is why it's so important for us to challenge even our preconceived ideas 
You know, we come to church, we're expecting this, expecting that. We know this is going to happen, that's going to happen. That, And we make it so much about all these other stuff that we are not even in a position to truly appreciate the presence of God when His presence does come to fill a room. This is why you could be anywhere. Miracles are happening all over, and you're still going to have people who's like, yawning just like this. I mean, their mouths are open fully. And that is so sad. People who are just dulled down or dumbed down to the presence of God. I mean, there's moments, even while I'm busy working, I mean, I'm dealing with, let's say, some sort of admin, or I'm dealing with something pertaining to business. I'm dealing with legal documents, for example. And then even in that moment, as I'm busy reading something, it's just like, I just feel His presence. And it's like, even in that moment, I mean, Chantel and some of the people who, you know, volunteer with us have even seen some of those moments where it's in those moments I just have to just lift my hands and I mean sometimes I would just begin to weep people who would look at me would think like there's something totally wrong why are you crying there's no reason to cry no one has said anything no one no nothing has happened just out of the blue you need to control your emotions (laughs) but it's in those moments where just in essence, out of the blue, as we would speak, or as we would say, you are just overwhelmed by His presence, where there is a divine visitation. And if you are not tuned in to the frequency of heaven, to hear the heart of God that speaks with that still voice, you're going to miss it. And so this is why I want to just deal with the the aspect of experiencing the majesty of God's glory. How do we truly experience or encounter the majesty of His glory? Well, here's the key. The key is faith. It is by faith. You cannot go to a particular destination and say, here is the glory of God. While you might be able to say that there are certain areas, certain places, certain pockets, as they would say, of His glory. Where you walk into that space or into that church facility or into that tent meeting or whatever it might be. And and you can feel a shifting in the atmosphere. But what I'm talking about is the fact that it's not a physical destination. It's not to say that you have to get into an airplane and fly all the way to the other side of the world because there is the glory of God. You can access the realm of His glory right here and right now. How? By faith. That's how. It is the key to unveil His glory and it also serves as a gateway to the supernatural. Faith. Hebrews 11, verse 1, and also verse 6. We all know this so well. In the Amplified Classic, however, it just adds so much more emphasis on some of these words and just elaborates on it. 
It says, now faith is the assurance. It is the confirmation. And I love this. It is the title deed. The title deed speaks of ownership. So how do you take ownership over a situation? Over that thing? How do you secure that which you are believing God to do in your life? By faith. For now faith is the assurance. It is the confirmation. It is the title deed. I want you to even feel that title deed in your hand. That which you are believing God to do in your life. It needs to be so real to you. That you can feel it in your hand. Now faith is the title deed. Of the things that we hope for. Being the proof of things we do not see. And the conviction of the reality. Faith perceiving as real fact. What is not revealed to the senses. So in other words it is a fact. That that which you are believing for, that that which you have spoken by faith, that the moment you begin to speak using what is referred to as the God kind of faith, what is the God kind of faith? The God kind of faith speaks into the void of nothingness and calls forth those things that are not as though they are. That is the God kind of faith. That is what God did with what is referred to as the creation story. Speaking into the void of nothingness. Saying, let there be and there was. And so too we have been given the right to be able to speak. Into the realm of the spirit. Calling those things that are not as though they are. And with the understanding that faith is the title deed. The confirmation of that which we do not yet perceive with the natural senses, but it's confirmed in the realm of the Spirit. It's done. It's a done deal. It is a fact. It's done. Signed, sealed, delivered. Done. All that needs to take place now is for it to be made manifest in the natural. That's all that needs to happen now. And so what do you do in the meantime? You praise Him. You give thanks to him because it is thanksgiving that fuels the expectation mechanism. The time between sending the request and receiving delivery thereof is called expectation. In the same way that you order something online, you can see the order has been placed and you begin to track it. The time between the order being placed and the order being fulfilled and delivered to your door is called expectation. You have an expectation. It is so sad that so many Christians begin to confess on a, on a, mon, uh, on a Sunday and already begin to dismantle that which they confessed on a Sunday on the Monday. Some people cannot even begin to profess the things and speak the things on a Sunday, let alone any other day. If it is too big for your mouth, it is too big for your hand. You will not be able to take possession of that which you do not believe, which you downplay, or that which you despise. 
Verse 6 says, but without faith, it is impossible. Isn't it incredible that the only time faith and impossibility and God comes into play in a single verse is right here in Hebrews 11 verse 6. Because you would not think that with God there would be impossibility in any sentence. But what does it come down to? It comes down to our willingness to release our faith. Romans 12 verse 3 even makes it clear that all of us have received the same measure of faith. So it's not to say that, you know, I don't have faith. Pastor Kevin, you've got faith. You are the man of God, the man of faith. I do not. That's why I come to church to place a demand on your faith. No, that's not how it works. Romans 12 3, the measure of faith that has been given to you. Again, the the woman with the issue of blood was healed because of her faith. Still to this day, it causes every religious demon to respond. I mean, I can read that as scripture. Your faith has healed you and the religious demons are, your faith, my faith, it's about God. Yes, I understand that. It's not about my faith from the perspective of it's me. I mean, you would expect some religious people to at least be smarter than that. But it was her willingness to release her faith in the anointing, placing a demand on his mantle that caused the manifestation in the natural that which he already saw as a fact in the realm of the spirit. But without faith, it is impossible to please and be satisfactory to him. So in other words, when you lack faith, when you are unwilling to apply or release your faith, the opposite is true. That God is not pleased with you. He is not satisfied when you are unwilling to release your faith. When you're unwilling to speak to your mountain as he commanded that you should do. Without faith, it is impossible to please and be satisfactory to him. For whoever would come near to God must believe that God exists. And that he is a rewarder of those who earnestly and diligently seek him. You have to seek him. You have to seek him. You have to have a desire for him. And you have to do so diligently. That speaks of without ceasing, without interruption, without delay. It becomes intentional for you to seek out God. And so it comes down to this, that faith is the key that opens the door to experiencing God's glory. As I said a moment ago, dealing a with the measure of faith, Romans 12, 3 says that God hath dealt to every man the measure of faith. What is the work of faith in the anointing? What does faith do in the anointing? Our faith releases the anointing that destroys the yoke of bondage. 
that is what happens. Again, the woman with the issue of blood, she kept on professing that if only I would just touch the hem of his garment, I will be healed. And now there was an opportunity for her to prove that. (laughs) Now the opportunity presented itself for her to do what she's always professed, what she's always said. Will her actions now match her words? Will her actions now match her confession of faith? Because faith without works is dead. Faith without action will result in nothing. And so by combining our faith with the anointing, it is then that we see miraculous breakthroughs and experience God's power that's flowing through us to impact lives. That's what it's about. It's not even about you. It's about impacting the lives of others. The blessing that you have received, God empowering you to prosper, it's not just for you, for you are blessed to be a blessing. The grace that has come upon your life, the anointing, the measure of faith. All of these different things that we can talk about, even the mantle that you carry. It's not solely for you. It has been bestowed upon you so that you might be a blessing. That you might impact this generation. That you might leave a lasting legacy upon this earth. That's why. I want to just shift gears here quickly. Talking about how do we actually encounter his glory. Part one was faith. But then also there is a second part that I want to deal with. And it comes down to this. Hunger and worship. Psalm 63, verse 1 and 2 in the Amplified Classic says, O God, you are my God. Earnestly, once more the word earnestly, it speaks of intentionality, diligently, will I seek you. My inner self thirsts for you. My flesh longs and is faint for you in a dry and weary land where no water is. So I have looked upon you in the sanctuary to see your power and your glory. And so like David, who earnestly sought God in the wilderness, let us begin to develop a holy hunger. For his presence. It is also in a time of worship that our hearts are filled with an insatiable desire to encounter the glory of God. And so this is why I'm saying that when we go through these different what people refer to as segments of the flow of a service. It's not just because that's what we do. That's a church service for you. When you actually begin to understand that these are spiritual principles that in essence we just act upon in this environment. 
so that it leads to a particular outcome, and that is to encounter His glory. Because it is when we lift our voices in praise and in adoration to Him, and even more so when we do so collectively, it is then that we create or stir an atmosphere for His glory to manifest in our midst. You see, God comes, and His Spirit comes where He's welcomed. I have shared with you before the incredible story of the man and I have showed you the contrast between where the Ark of the Covenant, that which was a symbol of God's glory, His manifested presence on earth, where the Israelites simply lodged, kept the Ark of the Covenant. But they thought that God had deserted them. And meanwhile, there is a man who makes room for the ark in his house. And all he does, all that his family does, even all that his servants do, prospers. Because there is a difference between lodging and hospitality. There is a difference between just saying, well, there's space, just put it there. And someone who welcomes, who ushers in the glory of God, who makes way, who makes room for the glory and this is why I've said to Derek and Vivian on a few occasions, the fact that they have made this facility available, the fact that they've not only opened the doors to this place, but the doors of their hearts to make room for the glory. This is why I know that I know that I know that even if the devils from the pit of hell itself would rise against them as a family or against this business, it will come to nothing. Why? Because they have made room for the glory of God. And that's not just for them, that's for you. That's for your children and your children's children. That's for your ministry. That's for your business. Do not think that you cannot encounter the glory of God in your workplace. And if you are the CEO, if you're the boss, you have every right to install a culture, a kingdom culture in your business. Father, I thank you for your presence. Thank you for touching every person in this place. I thank you for your glory. Even right now, once more, the Lord is busy touching you. He's busy setting people free, even delivering you. Just grab a hold of all that he has for you this morning. In Jesus' name. As incredible as the anointing is, God wants to take us even further and deeper 
to encounter the realm of his glory. There's nothing wrong in operating in the anointing. Don't get me wrong. What is the difference? I've said it before. Just say it again. The difference between the anointing and the glory is in the realm of the anointing, God uses man whom he has anointed to touch people, to impart, to activate, and to release whatever is required in that moment. That is in where we see a person laying a hand on another person for healing, for breakthrough, and for whatever it is that's been plaguing that person. In the realm of God's glory, it is then that God bypasses the utilization of man and does it himself. There's nothing wrong with operating in the anointing. But also what we need to ensure is that we do not become so fixated on the man of God. That even right here, right now, we miss that which God himself is wanting to do in your life. And that is where, unfortunately, because of religion and tradition, we have gotten so accustomed to just focusing, gazing upon the man of God. You know, if, if my life is going to change, it's, it's going to come down to the man of God. And there's nothing wrong in having a man of God lay hands upon you. There's nothing wrong in, if you're a member of this church, reaching out to me and saying, Pastor Kevin, keep me in prayer. I'm having this important meeting tomorrow. There's nothing wrong. But understand that does not negate your responsibility. To anoint yourself, to anoint that room, to step into victory with the boldness that God has given you because you have already prayed. You, yourself, you are prayed up and ready for action. So we have to obliterate the spirit of religion that has caused such havoc in the church over the centuries. And it all came down to a bishop called Ignatius who came up with this idea of do nothing without the bishop. Where it was later on declared even wicked for a man, a husband, a father to break bread with his family because he is not a bishop. Where it was later on unlawful, you could be facing an inquisition. You could be tortured or killed if you broke bread with your family or with friends because that was you now assuming a position of a bishop in sharing this sacrament in an unlawful manner, as they put it. It didn't carry weight because... You did not have the credential or the title. And God is busy, even this day, chipping away and removing the spirit of religion that has crept in and has infiltrated the church. In Acts 10.38, it says, How God anointed and consecrated Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and with strength and ability and power. 
So God himself anointed Jesus Christ, who is Christ, the Messiah, the anointed one. That's what the word Christ means. It means the anointed one. And yet the anointed one was still anointed by God. And we see the effects of the anointing with strength, ability, and power. That's why we are not saying there's anything wrong with the anointing. But there is an even greater realm, a higher dimension, the glory of God. How he went doing good, and in particular curing all who were harassed and oppressed by the power of the devil, for God was with him. So the testament to the anointing of God is the fact that God is with that person. Signs, wonders, and miracles. The gifts of the Spirit that flow is testament to the fact that God is with that person. That heaven is backing up that person. Four things I just want to highlight to you then. Dealing with the distinctions between the anointing and the glory. Just to further illustrate this to you, I can share many more. But in the anointing, we place a demand on the mantle of the believer. But in the glory, it is God himself who does the work. That I've shared a few times already this morning. Number two is in the anointing, we engage in work. We work the miracle. But in the glory, we rest in God's sovereignty. It is there where we watch Him go to work. Where we are at peace, where we are resting in Him. We do not have to work it. But we see Him move as a result of us being in a place of rest. Being in a place of peace. There are certain situations, in other words, where you have done all that you could have done. You have depleted your resources, you have depleted your knowledge, you've depleted your wisdom, you've depleted your talents, your ability to deal with the situation. And it gets to that point where you say, God, I've done all. I'm empty. There's nothing more I can throw at this situation. But you know what? I'm not going to worry about it. That's the key. Because you are basically placing all of that in God's hands. There's certain situations where God will look at you. If you say, God, you do this. And God says to you, no, 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 I have told you to command this mountain to be removed. But then there are other situations where God says, just, just stand back. Have some rest and watch me take care of this for you. Number three. While the anointing brings healing, in the glory there is no sickness. There is only wholeness and perfection. And number four that ties into this that I also shared earlier this morning is this. Is that in the anointing, God is the healer, but in the glory, God is the creator of all things. So what is the difference? In the anointing, when we lay hands on people, I'm not saying God can't do creative miracles. But just there is a, a shift in our way of thinking and even in the way in which we approach it. Where we have gotten so accustomed to if there is something, let's say, wrong with your heart that God is needing to heal the heart. Here's the question. How come we cannot 
believe on the, at the onset that God can just give you a brand new heart to begin with. Where God not only patches up the broken heart, to put it very plainly, but he takes out that heart and puts in a brand new heart. In the same way that we can talk about any other organ, takes out that defective kidney and puts in a brand new kidney. He is the creator. Is he not the one who formed you in your mother's womb? Is he not the one who knows every single part of you intimately? But the moment you begin to speak along these lines, again, you invoke a response of every religious demon. Well, that can't be true. That cannot happen. In the same way they came to Jesus. Oh, you, you see, he can't be of God because he healed someone on the Sabbath. But Jesus Christ is the Lord of the Sabbath. Man loves to limit God, who in himself is a limitless God. You cannot, and this I want to say to every demon out there listening, is that no demon in hell will be able to place a limit on the limitless God. And so do not agree with demons as to what is possible and what is not. That with man, this might be impossible, but with God, all things are possible. I want to end with this. Coming back to Moses, where we started off this morning. In Exodus 34, verse 29 and 30, we read this, and it says, When Moses came down from Mount Sinai, with the two tables of the testimony in his hand. Listen to this part. He did not know. You can highlight those words. He did not know. So in other words, there was nothing that the senses could reveal so that he would have known what was taking place. He did not know that the skin of his face shone and sent forth beams. Just think about that. Everyone else could see it. But he could not. He did not feel any different. According to him, he did not really look any different. To put it plainly, there was no difference according to him. He was just a man coming down a mountain as if he's done this or like he's done this on so many other occasions. He goes up a mountain, comes down a mountain. He has no perception about the fact that there is something very distinct or different about him now. He did not know. And so when Aaron and all the Israelites saw Moses, behold, the skin of his face shone and they feared to come near him. The reason I wanted to share this is because of this very thing. Is that so many times in the glory of God or just the atmosphere of heaven. Again, there is even that which has become a religious mindset. That somehow, you know, you, you need to feel something. 
There is times, most definitely, there are times when you are moved. As I said to you earlier, where the presence of God comes in and it's like you just don't even know why you begin to weep, but you just begin to weep because you're made aware of His presence. But there will be other situations, other moments, other environments that you will enter into that you would not necessarily be aware of the fact that to everyone else you are glowing. That to everyone else there is something different about you. And it could even very much so manifest in the same way as it did with Moses. Where your face just shines. Where radiant beams proceed from your face. Where fire can be seen in your eyes. But listen to this in Judges 16 verse 35. This is talking of the man, Samson. This was right after he had now told where his strength lies. And ultimately, his hair is cut. Prior to that, he told Delilah, it's this reason, it's that reason. And every time he was able just to shake himself loose from the ropes that they had placed around him. In Judges 16.35, it says, she said, the Philistines are upon you, Samson. And he awoke out of his sleep and said, I will go out as I have, time after time, and shake myself free. In other words, he's saying, I will just do what I've always done. I've been in these situations before. I know what it takes. I'm just going to go out and do what I've done before because God is with me. And nothing will be able to keep me down, to keep me bound, or to restrict me in my movement. But listen to this, for Samson did not know that the Lord had departed from him. In other words, there was not a moment where he was sitting there and waking up and he could feel like you would almost see it being illustrated in some Hollywood movies where it was like the shaking. And then he like gets up, opens his mouth and like, you know, that's what Hollywood would do. That's how Hollywood would illustrate it. He woke up like he did before. He woke up like he woke up earlier that morning. He woke up like he did the, the, the day before and the day before that and the week before and the month before. He felt no different. Think about that for a second. He did not know that the Lord had departed from him. He did not know that the power, the virtue, the ability, the supernatural ability left him. In the same way that Moses did not know that his face shone. There is this powerful scene in this incredible series called The Chosen. And in the previous season, there is this situation. Now, a lot of times people say, please don't tell me because you're going to spoil it. Well, if you've been in church, it's pretty much already spoiled for you because you know the rest of the story. But there is this scene where Jesus sends out the disciples two by two. How many of you saw that? Some of you. And he sends them out two by two. And he says, okay, you two, you're going to go to this area. You two, you're going to go to that city. You two, you're going to go here. You two, you're going to go there. And now they're stunned. Because even according to the Gospels, I mean, that's like early on in Jesus' ministry. Like, uh, like what are we going to do? 
And then Jesus says, listen, you're not even allowed to carry a backpack. Carry no provisions with you. You have to go to some home and just believe that they're going to take you in and be hospitable towards you. Okay. And Jesus, this character of Jesus looks at them and is like, okay, you're going to do this. And they're like, you know, looking at each other all bewildered, like, how? How are we going to do this? And then the character of Jesus says, well, you have the ability. And then this one character says, what? I do not feel any different. And then this character of Jesus says these words, which is so powerful. He says, you do not have to feel anything. Because there are times when your senses are not necessarily going to tell you or it's going to reveal to you that this is exact or exactly that which God has for you. Like this is exactly, the next step you take there, that's exactly where God wants you to be. And that's why it's called faith. It's stepping in with no light that's shining where you can see these footsteps. And you know, okay, I'm planting my feet in this God-ordained pathway that has been set before me. There might be some who claim that there have been instances where that's happened, but let me be very honest and frank with you. The overwhelming majority of us, myself included, we do not have that luxury. Where in essence, it comes down to this, that in the natural, there are no guarantees. That when there's a situation that erupts in the boardroom, and you feel you have to stand up and say something. You have to stand for righteousness sake. It's not to say that necessarily you had a memo that comes that says, whatever your name is, stand up and deal with this unrighteousness. Signed, the Father. You just know that you have to respond. There might not be any other indicator. You do not necessarily feel more anointed. You do not necessarily feel, oh, the, I feel the glory of God is in this boardroom right now. You might, that might not, you just stand up. Someone once said, you know, the challenge with life is that it's void of background music. Which is why, I mean, even as we have music now, I mean, you can cut the, we, we can flow. And at the end of the day, you know, it's, it's about stepping out and stepping into all that God has for you, not having the advantage in essence where your senses have already revealed this or that to you. Because had it been, it would simply be called you being moved by your sight or by appearance or by your senses, which is the exact opposite of what faith is. Faith that is required. Thank you for listening all the way to the end. If you'd like to help Kevin and Chantel reach and impact this generation, Thank you in advance for sharing this episode with your world. If you have enjoyed Dominion today, follow Kevin and Chantel on Instagram, Facebook, 
in your favorite podcast platform or connect with them online at dominion.org.za.